Just like an actual toolbox, you need to have a variety of financial tools at your disposal so your retirement portfolio can handle any situation that comes your way. Scott Searles is a certified wealth strategist and the CEO of Skybox Asset Management. He can help you build a solid financial plan that will stand the test of time. This is the Retirement Toolbox Podcast. Hello there and welcome to another edition of the Retirement Toolbox. Walter Storholt here with Scott Searles of Skybox Asset Management. Ready for another great show. Scott, how are you doing this week? I'm doing great. You know what, Walter? I finally did it. What'd you do? I ditched my cable TV. Oh, you finally cut the cord, huh? I did. I did. I went to that YouTube TV and we love it. It's great. I, you know, that darn cable, it costs so much money. And it's one of those, that bill and the cell phone bill that I would pay every month would just pain me. Uh, I can't do anything about the cell phone having Gosh, I'd love to just throw months. it away, but especially at the cost of that thing. I know. And, uh, but the cable, I got rid of that and I just get internet from them now and we don't miss it one bit. That's awesome. Yeah, I cut the cord a while back, but the place that I fled to was the the PlayStation one, PlayStation View, and they yeah. just, you know, they just came out a couple of weeks ago and said now that they are ending that service. So, at the end of the year, I'm looking for a new home, and I think I've settled on it being the YouTube TV one. So, I'll be joining yeah. the ranks. I mean, it was great. The unlimited DVRs, the menus really nice and smooth. The one thing that was a bit of a hiccup or a little snag for my wife was there was no Hallmark channel. Oh. So I had to make a concession with her and get like Hallmark movies now for like $5 a month or something. <laughs> nice. So she, she can watch all of her Hallmark movies on demand whenever she wants. Problem solved. The The only yes. thing YouTube TV doesn't seem to have that would be in my wheelhouse would be the uh, NFL Red Zone channel. I love the Red Zone channel on Sundays, and uh, YouTube as of now doesn't have it. Maybe by next year, now with PlayStation going away, maybe they'll be able to negotiate it and get it under that umbrella, or I'll have to go find some other way to get it. But, but yeah, it seems to have everything else you could possibly want and need. Yeah, it works good for us. And, and now that Disney Plus came out, so that seems to be popular in our house now, too. I'm watching. Uh, we, we got it. I'm not a huge, uh, you know, I'm obviously kind of being a, a 30-something. Uh, don't know if I've not really the target market for necessarily the Disney Plus, but... I've never seen Star Wars, as crazy as that sounds. And so we said, all right, this will be a good time. Let's get Disney Plus, and then we'll watch all the Star Wars on Disney Plus back to back to back. And then we'll probably cancel it after that, but we're going to go ahead and watch all the movies that are out on Disney Plus now. So. And they have that Star Wars series, that Mandalorian, which uh, I watched the first couple episodes of that, and uh, that's good, too. I heard they have Baby Yoda. Is that right? There is Baby Yoda. Uh, we'll have to try that one out after the uh, after we finish with the movies. The big debate was what order do you watch them in, right? Do you watch them in the chronological order of the movie or the chronological order of when they were released? If I was starting today, I would go the chronological order of the movie. Oh, really? Interesting. Okay. I guess because the only that, thing you lose is... They all is, play into each other. True. You just lose the surprise of Darth Vader being the dad, right? Yeah, but you already know that. That's true. I mean, everybody kind of knows the <laughs> Luke, I am your father. Yeah, exactly. Well, Even we're we're watching it watched. in the release, the chronological release date is how we're doing okay. it. So we are currently uh, in the third movie of that or- original trilogy. So Right. That, so, was, that would be the uh, Return of the Jedi. It was, uh, it's a lot goofier than I thought it was. 
Um, that was probably the weakest of all of them, I think. The third one? I, we, now, we just started yeah. it, so we're not very far into it. Although the whole first 30 minutes is very goofy with the kind of all the monsters. And, and of course, we're looking at through the lens of you know 2019, not 1980 or 83. I right. think maybe that one came out. So you know it maybe wasn't as goofy back then. But even the first two movies just had a lot more goofiness in them than I thought they would have, I guess. That's all. I'm not criticizing. Yeah. I was just surprised. I thought it was a more serious you know movie action movie but it had still has a lot of humor and and whatnot in it so it's good but they're all great i've I've enjoyed it so far yeah yeah for i mean for any movie to go back 40 some years later and watch it you know for it to still kind of hold water to this day is impressive so absolutely yeah all right enough star wars talk let's get into the uh, meat and potatoes of the day here scott we've got lots of good things to talk about i've got a question on the docket from helen before we wrap up today that we're going to get to, Helen's got some curiosity about the tax implications of a 401k rollover. So we're going to ask and answer her question on today's show, plus more. But we want to talk primarily today about Social Security. Now, I know, Scott, a lot of the folks that you're meeting with, they're not relying on Social Security to be the end-all, be-all of their financial plan. But yet it still serves an important role and is an important element of the entire process. And there are some major misunderstandings that we see kind of perpetuated whenever we talk about Social Security. So we've taken the top five Social Security misunderstandings, listed them out, and we're going to cover them on today's show. And the first one, I think, is that there's this common misunderstanding that Social Security is going broke. And I guess the kind of conclusion from that, Scott, is that it's 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 going to be gone. It's going to disappear. Once it goes broke, it's going to be no more. How do you kind of respond to folks that have that mindset? Well, Walter, you have to have a little background about Social Security. And obviously, I deal a lot with Social Security. I've taught classes on it. And, you know, every one of my financial planning clients, it's the core kind of steady income that lays the foundation of the house. A lot of the time, we know that those payments are going to be there. And they're going to kind of provide that core of that financial planning strategy. But a little history, and I hate to say this word, but you know, Social Security is kind of a little bit of a Ponzi scheme. And what I mean by that is that money that comes in now is used to pay current people on Social Security. So when Social Security started back in 1935, there were 42 workers for every one retiree. And the earliest that you could get benefits was 65. But the average life expectancy in 1935, Walter, can you guess what it is? 1935? Oh, what was it? Probably like in the 60s or something like that? 62. 62. So most people. That's lower than I would have thought. I would have thought maybe upper 60s. Yeah. Yeah. Most people only collected Social Security for two years. So the Ponzi scheme worked awesome. It was a great strategy. But today, there's only three workers for every one retiree on Social Security. You can file at age 62 now. And the average years that people are collecting Social Security are 23. 23, from 2 to 23. Yeah. So now that Ponzi scheme that was developed back in 1935, fast forward to 2019, it's flipped upside down. It's not working. So what's happening is that Social Security, you know, is starting to run low on cash. Now, you know, there's been several times the government has dipped into Social Security's reserve and, and things like that, but it's certainly not going broke. The Social Security Budget Office, every year they kind of do a 
report that they issue out that tells you, you know, the financial health of Social Security. And most people don't realize that right now, Social Security, the way it is now, can pay 100% of the payments for everybody all the way through to 2033. So a lot of people are retiring today. You know, that's going to give them, you know, 14 years before if no changes are made. But even in 2034, they can still pay 79% of the benefits without any changes. And that lasts all the way to 2089, where it drops to 73%. Ooh, so yeah. there, there is money there. You know, we continue to have money flowing into it, but it does need to be tweaked and fixed. And whether that's going to be reduced benefits for people that are younger now, but people that are, are getting ready to retire or retired, they certainly don't have anything to worry about. And they're going to continue to receive their Social Security. And it's not going broke. So that's uh, that's interesting data. I did not know that, that it was truly could stretch that long with just essentially some reduction in what would be available to pay out. Or I guess there's other solutions. We'll probably talk about them here in a minute of extending when you can start taking those benefits to kind of counteract that shortfall. But it's not as dramatic as maybe the word going broke sounds is what you're trying to tell me. No, not at all. No, the okay. people people that are collecting Social Security aren't going to be living in a box on the side of the road. Okay. That's good to know. Very helpful. All right, so that's one misunderstanding about Social Security, and that has some layers in it for sure that we'll continue to unpack. Another one here, Scott, is uh, this assumption. You know, Whether you believe in it going broke or have that initial assumption or not, there are those out there who say, you know what, starting Social Security as early as possible is pretty much the best option. Like everybody should just probably go and do that. Get it while you can. Yeah. Well, you know, Walter, I had a guy that came in my office just a couple of weeks ago and uh, he came in, he was already 65 or so. And he said that he started his social security at age 62. And, and I said, you know, really, why did you do that? And he said, well, it's because, you know, if I don't start getting it right away, it may not be there for me to get. So I want to get it while I can because I could die tomorrow. And, you know, that is a logical conclusion, a valid point. Yeah, I can't really would, fault somebody for that perspective. No, if you would die tomorrow and you'd never taken Social Security, you wouldn't be able to take advantage of the money you had paid in. But your spouse would. And, then, you know, people don't realize that, that your spouse can get your benefit, even if they had not worked or, or had a lot less of Social Security payment. So your family will benefit from that. But even that aside, usually in, in most cases, it does pay to wait. And we'll tackle this a little bit later, but you can defer Social Security all the way to age 70. And then and, and at that point, Social Security stops accumulating. Your benefit stops going up. So if you take it at age 70 and you live, you know, life expectancy now is a lot longer than it used to be, and you live to you know, 85, more than likely you're going to be collecting a lot more over your lifetime from Social Security than you would if you took the reduced payment and took it earlier. So there's a lot of factors that come into play. You know, what your spousal situation, how much are they getting? Should your spouse defer, take later? Should they take earlier? You know, full retirement age for most people now is 66 in a few months. But you know, there's a lot that goes into the, the planning of it. And that's why seeing a, a professional when it comes to doing some of these social security strategies is extremely helpful. And you can really get an idea of 
what your situation is and how to maximize that the best. Well, since we're there, why don't you take it to that next point, which is the other end of that spectrum. So you've got one camp that says, hey, take Social Security as early as possible. The other says, no, 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 you got to maximize it. Delay Social Security for as long as you can. Yeah. And again, I think everybody's situation is different. And one every conversation that I have with someone that we're doing a retirement plan is we talk about their health and their family history. Because if, if you have a, a sickness or something where you feel you are not going to live into your 80s, taking Social Security earlier might be a better option for you if you're not married and you don't have a spouse to continue to receive those benefits after you pass away. You know, maybe that, you know, it, it would make sense for you to take it early. So, you know, sometimes I have people I say, yeah, you know, my father, my mother, my uncle, you know, everybody passed away at 62. Well, you know, and they were all from heart disease or something, and I've got a bad ticker. Well, the, then, you know, maybe it would make sense for us to, you know, take it early. But in most cases, like we said before, waiting all the way to 70 to start taking those social security benefits in most situations are going to produce the most amount of money for you in your retirement. So we're talking about social security on today's show. It's one of the important topics of retirement and financial planning. And it's a good reminder to you that if you need more education about some of the things that we talk about here on the podcast or about social security, maybe it's about income planning or taxes and fees and commissions, those kinds of base level topics. Uh, if you need more education and information about those, or you're just sort of new to this whole financial or retirement planning realm, a uh, great chance for me to remind you to check out the tax-free retirement toolkit that Scott has put together. It's packed with lots of great information, special reports, and other tidbits and pieces that are going to help you learn about the financial world, about retirement, some of the mistakes that others make, how we can learn from those mistakes. It's a free physical box that Scott will send to you. Again, it's the Tax-Free Retirement Toolkit. And I just want to remind you, if you want to get that, go to skyboxasset.com. Again, go to skyboxasset.com, and you'll see there on the page how to get the Retirement Rescue Toolkit. Or if you're a, a texter, you can text the word tax-free. Just make it all one word, tax-free, and text that to the number 31996, and you can get the toolkit that way as well. Text the word tax-free, smush it all together, and send it to the number 31996 if you want to get that tax-free retirement toolkit, and it is complimentary as a sort of a thank you for listening to the podcast. So we're going through these top five Social Security misunderstandings, Scott. We've covered three so far, Social Security going broke, starting it early as best as possible, and then the other side, starting it as late as possible is the best thing to do. There's another, to kind of switch gears a little bit, another misunderstanding about Social Security when it comes to advice. A lot of people think you can just go down to the Social Security Administration, and not only are going to they lay out your options for you, but they'll help you choose the best strategy. Yeah, I, I hear this all the time. People are like, yeah, I got to send an appointment to Social Security office and go down there and figure out what I'm going to do. Well, they can't give you any advice at all. I had a person that was a Social Security employee at one of my Social Security classes, ironically. And you know, she came up to me afterwards and she says, you know, you're exactly right. We cannot you know, give them any type of advice. We will lay out and give them all of their options that are available to them. So in other words, 
you know, they'll say if you if you were taken at 62, you get this much. If you take it at full retirement age, you get this much. If you take it at 70, you get this much. But they can't help you develop a strategy to say, hey, you know, I should I should take it at 70. My spouse should take it at full retirement age. They're not allowed to be able to do that. And that's because the Social Security Administration office, you know, they don't want that liability of giving people directions and you know, because if, if they're wrong, then what happens? They come back and say, you didn't tell me, you know, I could have done it here. You told me to do it here. So they cannot give you any type of advice. Your best bet is to go to a professional that's going to help guide you and get you to the solution that works best for you and your family. That one reminds me of a lot of people when it comes to like their 401k, they think that, you know, the person at, at the office, the person at the company, you know, where they're working can give them advice on their 401k. And it's like, well, not not really. They can give you advice on like general principles, like it's good to save money. And, and here's how you put in certain dollars. And he, okay, the, here's the difference between a Roth contribution and not a Roth contribution. But in terms of actually selecting the right options, uh, you're going to be lacking when it comes to uh, guidance and advice and choosing the best options overall there. So that social security Security example kind of reminds me of that other coin as well. Last but not least, one other social security misunderstanding I think we should cover today would be that you don't have to pay taxes on social security benefits. A lot of people feel like, hey, haven't I already been taxed on this? Why am I paying taxes? I wouldn't pay taxes again on it, right? Yeah, well, wrong. Uh, you know, <laughs> wrong. The reality is <laughs> social security was designed as a tax-free benefit. But then the government says, boy, we need a little bit more money. And they started taxing Social Security. But it's not taxable for everybody. And the way they figure it out is kind of tricky, too. So they use something called provisional income. Where Provisional income is not the same as your modified adjusted gross or, or anything on your tax return. They calculate provisional income by adding together half of your Social Security benefit any ordinary income that you have from working or anything like that, your dividends and capital gains that you receive, and also include an ordinary income would be interest from your bank accounts or anything like that, and then any non-taxable interest too. So a lot of people say, well, I have municipal bonds. Well, no, municipal bonds interest is counted towards provisional income, uh, including half your social security benefit. So when you get over 44000 of provisional income, which includes half your, your Social Security benefit, 85% of that Social Security is going to be taxable. That's the most they can tax is 85, though. Uh, and, then, and that's if you're married, 44, and they start taxing it when you reach 32. So you think about a couple where maybe they're receiving $30,000 in Social Security benefits, let's just say, between husband and wife. Already, they're at 15000 in provisional income. Then they start adding in some other, maybe they start taking, you know, interest from their bank accounts or, or, you know, money out of their IRAs. Before they know it, they're in that taxable range. And just for everybody out there that's single, the numbers are 24 and 34 for single people. So they're going to start taxing you at 24000 and then you're going to reach eighty five at 34 The other big thing is I have people all the time that come in my office new clients, and they say, you know what, I just hit 70 and a half, and I don't realize why my taxes went up so much this year. Well, what happens is when you're required to start to take money out of your IRAs at 70 and a half, 
that is included in provisional income. So what happens is now all of a sudden, if none of your Social Security was taxable, boom, now 85% of your Social Security is taxable. So now you pay taxes. Let's say you're in the you know, 22% tax bracket. You pay 22% on you know, the $20,000 you had to take out of your IRA, and you pay 22% on 85% of your Social Security. So your taxes really jump. And that's why getting that tax-free retirement toolkit, I tell, is so important to people because you can change it now. If you do things now, you can position your assets in a way where that required minimum distribution is not going to hit you that hard at 70 and a half. So important to make sure that you understand things like this, like we're talking about today, like Social Security. It's just one example where there's a lot of mistakes and misunderstandings that are made. And so make sure you're getting proper education when it comes to these things. And uh, we try to do that a little bit here on the podcast, but it's often more helpful if you can come in and have conversations in person to go over your particular situation, get customized advice. You can always do that if you want to reach out to Scott Searles by calling 888-742-0111. Again, 888-742-0111. And you can always go to skyboxasset.com as well. That's skyboxasset.com to find the tax-free retirement toolkit or to schedule a time to meet as well skyboxasset.com. Well, thanks for walking us through those social security misunderstandings, Scott. Very helpful information today, and uh, we very much appreciate it. But now it's time to turn the page and get to know you a little bit better. It's getting to know you time. So my fun question for you this time around, Scott, on getting to know you is to uh, inquire about the farthest you've ever been away from home. Assuming home is uh, Ohio, I guess. It certainly is Ohio. And you know what? I'm ashamed. That, well, I'm not really ashamed to say, but probably the farthest I've been for, away from home geographic wise would probably be California. Never gone to Europe. We've been, I've been to Canada, but being in Cleveland, you know, Canada is not that far. And then, you know, been down to, to Florida and all around the United States, been down to Mexico. But I think Cleveland to California may be the farthest. Where in Mexico so, did you go? That's the that's the key. Cabo San Lucas. So maybe it is a little farther. Either way, it's not tremendously far away from home. That mm-hmm. those are the the spots we took a cruise. So you know, I'm on a boat. So I don't know at what point I was the farthest. That would but. count. Yeah, that would count. <laughs> I think Cabo is probably farther. It's pretty close well, than yeah. than California. It's probably close because of the way. You know, Ohio kind of falls. Uh, well, it kind of falls in between. But yeah, either one. Either one. No, you know what? Now that I think about it, probably because it would be, you know, Cabo is is on that on that west coast of of Mexico. So not only would I kind of go to California, but then I'd have to go south. Yeah. To get down there. So all right, I'm changing my answer, Walter. To, to Cabo. We're gonna go. Yeah, <laughs> that's where we're where, going. Wait, where was the cruise now? Does the cruise override it? Yeah. Well, the yeah the cruise started in. Uh, I think we left out a. Texas. Does that make sense? Out of Texas? Yeah, there's, uh, I think a lot of cruises leave out of Houston. Well, the one I went out, we went on a couple cruises, but I think that one actually left out of San Diego or LA or something out of. Gotcha. Yeah, with that one. So, yeah, I'm changing my answer, but still, never gone to Europe. I would love to. My wife's not a big fan of flying over water. Ah. So, uh, kind of limits our choices sometimes. 
You'll have to do well, like uh, you could fly north and go over Alaska and then just do the little bridge. You know, you're only over water for a second to get over into Russia, then fly all the way over land through Russia to get to Europe. It'd be kind of a roundabout way to do it. But I'd have to be Richie Rich and have a private plane, though, to, to send me that way, because I'm sure the airlines are going straight there. That's right. If you can negotiate with the pilots, then uh, then go that route. I don't know about Europe, but I do know that when I went to China, we actually flew, you would think you would go like across the Pacific Ocean, but we actually flew over the North Pole. It actually was shorter to get to China that direction than it was really? to go over the Pacific. Yeah. So we were actually over land most of the time. We were only over the the ocean, you know, they're kind of past the North Pole for just a little bit. I don't know if you're playing having to make an emergency landing in the Pacific Ocean or in the North Pole. I'm not sure which one's worse. Yeah, both would be bad, <laughs> I would imagine. Both would be bad. So, in any event. Well, very cool. that You've still been to uh, some far reaches, so that's very neat. Yeah, I guess, I guess so. you got plenty of time to add to the travel list and overcome that fear of flying. Over, yeah, I would love water. to go all over the place. But, there, you know, there's so many neat places here in the United States that I haven't seen. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I still haven't been to Yellowstone. I think in the spring we're going to be able to go out and visit my grandparents when they're being snowbirds out in Phoenix. And I think we're going to yep. see Arizona for the first time and get to see the Grand Canyon and some of the neat things out there. So we, we've got a lot of things on our list, too, to still go out and see as well. So there's... There's a lot the country has to offer that sometimes we overlook due to the lure of international travel, and we have so many cool things right in our backyard, too. So, Absolutely. Very neat. That's getting to know Scott a little bit better on today's show. Now time to answer one of your questions to wrap things up this week. It's time for the mailbag. We want to hear from you. So our question this week on the mailbag comes to us from Helen, and Helen is in Brexville and says, are there really no tax implications to rolling over my 401k? I don't really like the investment options in my 401k, but I don't want to roll it over and then get hit with a big tax bill I wasn't expecting. What do you think? Well, Helen, that is a very good question, and I get that question a lot. And the answer is kind of, there's a two-part answer to it, because in majority of cases, if you do it right, there will not be any taxes owed when you roll over your 401k to an IRA. But at the same time, there's some traps that people fall into that really get them in a pickle and, and certainly do make them have to pay taxes on at least a portion of their rollover. And so let's go back to the beginning. So if we just do what's called a trustee to trustee transfer, and you roll directly from your 401k over into an IRA, and you have no after-tax money, no Roth money, easy peasy, you can roll that right over into that IRA with no tax liability at all. But some of the traps that people fall into is, number one, there's something called a 60-day rollover rule. So if you do an indirect rollover where the money comes to you and then you put it into your IRA, you have 60 days to put that money into the IRA or that money becomes taxable. So if you, you, know, you lose the check or the dog eats it or any types of issues could cause a problem, would create a tax liability for you. The other trap is what they call, and this just started uh, in 2015, you're allowed one indirect rollover a year. So when you don't go straight from company to company, you do that indirect rollover like the 60-day rule, 
you're only allowed to do one of those per calendar year. And if you do more than one of those, and that includes all of your accounts, all your IRAs, then you will have to pay taxes and a 10% penalty on that rollover. So that could be a big, huge mistake. And the other thing you need to be aware of is with the 401ks is you may have some after-tax money that's in your 401k plan or maybe you have a Roth account. And all three, you know, your normal 401k pre-tax contributions, your Roth, and those non-taxed after-tax contributions all need to go to different accounts. Or again, you create yourself some tax issues. So you have to be careful. A lot of people have been a company for a long time. It's probably going to have a combination of all three of those. If you got my tax-free toolkit, you better be putting some money in that Roth 401k. But I think uh, those are, are traps that people fall into. So it's definitely important, I think, to see a professional, a fiduciary, when you go to do your 401k rollovers because of these traps, because you know, you only get one chance to do this. And if you mess it up, it can create lasting impact all the way throughout your retirement. Plus, there's some other things you can do if you've got a 401k and you've got a bunch of company stock in there. You can do what's called net unrealized appreciation and do a rollover of that company stock and get some tax advantages in doing that. So, you know, these are other things that might be available that, you know, a good professional is going to be able to help you out with. But great question, Helen. I get that a lot. Thank you, Helen. Really good question. And again, if you want to submit a question to be featured on a future show, you can go to skyboxasset.com. That's skyboxasset.com. Use the contact page there to get in touch or give a call to 888-742-0111. By the way, if you ever want to schedule a one-on-one meeting with Scott Searles to talk about your own financial plan and get into all the specifics and uh, get a customized plan in place, you can also go to talktoscott.com and schedule a time to meet right there. Talktoscott.com, the place to go for that. We'll put links to all those resources that we mentioned on today's show and the phone number and all that jazz in the description of today's episode. So if you need to access it, you can find it there, no matter what app you're using. Well, Scott, thank you for the help on today's show. Really enjoyed it. Uh, Congratulations on cutting the cord. And we'll uh, look forward to talking to you on the next episode. You got it, Walter. Go Browns. Had a lot of fun. There you go. Talk to you soon. That's Scott Searles. I'm Walter Storholt. This has been The Retirement Toolbox. Investment advisory services provided by Skybox Asset Management, LLC.